Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm delighted on this episode to be joined by Ben Wells, Norwegian football expert. Ben, it's been uh, some time. I've uh, don't know quite why we haven't got you on here earlier before, actually, but uh, I'm so uh, so glad that you're on on this episode. How are you doing? No, yeah, really pleased to be on, Steve. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. As you said, it's been a been a long time coming, I guess. So, yeah, good to good to chat Norwegian football with you know another guy who sort of knows his stuff. So yeah, be good. Yeah, it should be fun. And um, yeah, Ben is a pillar of Norwegian football knowledge and everything up there. And um, we're actually going to start off in an area we don't really talk enough about on the Nordic Football Podcast, <clears throat> and that is uh, national teams, and specifically the Norwegian national team, um, which is. There's a lot of interest about this team at the minute because of uh, not you know it's a bit of a golden generation and uh, I mean we we, st- we had a question on Twitter from Torleifer Oyen and um, and he just basically sums it up just waiting on your views on this emergency assembled national team because recently there's been uh, <laughs> a quarantine issue with the Norwegian team they had their match against Romania called off they're trying to dish together a, a team against Austria. I mean, what have you made of this uh, issue uh, recently with with the team, Ben? And uh, I mean, is the quarantine thing legitimate for you? Are they a bit stricter compared to the rest of Europe? Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit chaotic, isn't it? Because I mean, I don't want to get into sort of you know like COVID measures because you know, I I don't have a clue about what's best, and I don't think many people do. Um, but yeah, it's been a bit chaotic. Obviously, what with you know the squad all flying to Oslo to meet up for training and then being told they can't plant train. Um, obviously all came from Omar Al-Dalawi's positive test and I want to him the best with his recovery. I think, I think he's asymptomatic. So yeah, hopefully should be fine. Um, but yeah, it's been a bit chaotic recently. Um, I think the main issue was the fact that, you know, all the players, they, they got to Oslo, they started training and then, you know, the Norwegian health uh, minister cancelled the game against Israel because, you know, a couple of Israeli uh, players tested positive. And, you know, since then, it's all just been sort of a bit a bit downhill as well. And, um, yeah, I think I've, I've said it a few times on there and elsewhere, but I feel a bit sorry for you know, the players and the staff because, you know, these guys have all travelled to Oslo in the middle of, like, a global pandemic to play their national team and then be told they can't do that and you know eventually as we'll talk about in a minute they all flew home been a bit it's been a bit chaotic um i think it's yeah so answer your question i guess directly it, it possibly is a bit harsh because you know the rest of europe seem to have ways of of dealing with this a bit better and you know it seems like a lot of countries had positive tests but they still managed to get on with it because i think that yeah, Norway have missed out a little bit. And if they if they don't get the points versus Romania, which was one of the games that cancelled, yeah, you know, I think they're gonna be a bit gutted by that. Mm. Um but yeah, yeah, it's it's so hard. It's so hard to obviously sort of say what the correct thing to do is. I, mean, I agree in principle that you know you don't want players to be getting ill, you don't want players to spread, you know, COVID around if it gets to that. So yeah, it's very hard to say who's sort of correct in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I, on my own personal opinion um, is that I'm not even sure this international window was needed, uh, apart from the the, the crunch no, um, and World Cup. There are World Cup qualifiers and stuff going on, I suppose as well. I think mm. I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, it's Nations League, it's friendlies, it's November in you know peak time of COVID. Yeah. I, 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 
I, I kind of agree with Norway in a way. They, they've got their, their protocols in place and, and that's the way it is. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a Nations League um, thing. I mean, regarding this emergency sort of assembled national team for Austria, I mean, there's been all sorts of rumours flying around, haven't there? And all sorts of stuff. And do we have any latest on that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen? Yeah, it's been it's been actually quite, you know, from, from all this sort of carnage, it's it's been quite fun to follow since because... Obviously, we're now left with a completely new Norwegian national team. Um, so basically, the entire national team that gathered in Oslo originally, they've all now been sent home or they're quarantining in Oslo. Um, so we're not too sure what's going to happen with those players with their club sides. But, you know, I think that's all to be seen. Um, so, yeah, what the NFF have done and yesterday, which was uh, Sunday, um, yeah, so a few days before this podcast comes out, I'm sure. Um Essentially, the NFF were calling around trying to put together an emergency team, but with the catch being that all the players had to come from mainland Europe. So Norway were trying to put together an entire national team squad with three days' notice to fly to Austria, you know, based purely of players who were playing abroad. It's just it's such a mad situation. I give the NFF a lot of stick. A lot of people give the NFF a lot of stick because... But, you know, to put together, a, I think it was, it's maybe like a 15, 16 man squad in the space of 24 hours is, yeah, you've got, I think you've got, a, and I, I said on Twitter, it reminded me of like sort of Sunday league almost where, you know, you get to Sunday morning and you get a phone call from your centre back and oh, I'm hung over, I can't play. And when your striker rings up the same thing, you're desperately sort of calling on trying to, you know, put together a team for that day. It's really reminded me of that, but. Yeah, it's, been, it's actually been fun to follow. And yeah, we've come out the other side with quite an interesting looking national team. So, yeah. I, I love the, the Ruben Gabrielson uh, tweet, especially um, the other day. He's <laughs> uh, yeah. actually in very good form this season. Um, although, you know, what you can take from playing in French yeah. the second division, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a crazy sort of situation. But I think probably a more broader discussion about the Norwegian national team is, is where the actual... Um, the state of affairs is overall and I guess we have to go back to last month um, and the failure to qualify mm. for, for Euro 2021 because I think a lot of people, me included, perhaps yourself as well, expected Norway to get through that section and I know it's a one-off game um, but it, it was disappointing how, how they got knocked out really, wasn't it? Um, you look at the, that squad on paper, team on paper, yeah, and you certainly, at least if they're, if they're getting knocked out, then you would hope for an element of unluckiness about it. But Serbia outplayed them effectively, didn't they? I mean, how much of a disappointment do you think it is? Yeah, to be there. Yeah, huge, huge disappointment. I mean, I, I mean, everyone's sort of going about the golden generation. Yeah, myself included, is a sort of golden Norwegian talent at the moment. So you know, I think for this this Euros with. Most of the, the so-called golden generation still, you know, early 20s, most of them under 21 or under 23 at best would have been a sort of a bonus, I guess, for them. Um, but yeah, obviously, as you said, like, it was an incredibly disappointing result. And yeah, Serbia were not, they're not, they haven't been grateful. They're a pretty good team. You know, they've obviously got some very good players, you know, Mitrovic, uh, Milinkovic, Savic. Obviously, players Norway would have been aware of, but the homework wasn't done from Norway. It's been a narrow 4-4-2 against a a wide three-five-two or three-six-one or whatever. You know, Serbia playing with two very wide fullbacks, uh, wingbacks. It was never going to work, and it it just seemed like no one had sort of cottoned on to that. 
even though Serbia had played that system for you know quite a while now. So that was a disappointing thing. I mean, obviously the team election left a lot to be desired as well. You got when you got Stefan Johansson and Marcus Henriksen playing as essentially wingers. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal. And I think the problem is that yeah, it, a lot of people expected at that point to qualify. Um, I think Norwegians in general sort of expect the worst, but because of the likes of Holland, Odegaard, all these guys, and yeah, to lose in such a disappointing fashion was yeah, it was a it was a big blow, and I think it's going to take a while back to sort of get people back on side after that, if he even has the time to do so. Mm. Yeah, and we mentioned Lager back there. We had a question coming in from David uh, Weatherston. Um, it was actually a very good uh, blogger. Well worth a follow-up there, blogger tipster in, in the Norwegian leagues. Um, thanks for your question, David. Who would Ben like to manage Norway? Obviously, Lagerback seems to be split in opinion right now. Who would he replace him with? What, what do you think about Lagerback yeah. and who would you look as a replacement? Yeah, there's a couple of guys I think I'd consider. I mean, uh, I've had a question quite a bit because I've been quite critical of Lagerback in it for a while now. Um, so I've had a bit of time to think about it and... A lot of people are saying Stala Solbakken, who obviously managed Copenhagen previously, is now out of out of a job for the moment. Um, I think he, he's an obvious choice. But there's a guy in Denmark called David Nielsen who manages AGF, and I think he seems like a bit more of a progressive coach. He seems someone who can get the best out of attacking players. You know, from what I've seen of AGF in the last year, they've completely overachieved in Denmark. Uh, they, they outplayed Copenhagen, which obviously was Stala Solbakken was managing last year. Um, he uses a 4-3-3 formation, which you know, seems to be a formation that might get the best out of these Norwegian players. And yeah, he's in Norway before. He's played in the country. So he knows sort he knows what the expectations are there. And I think I think Norway just need a bit like, you know, someone a bit younger, a bit more, you know, exciting to Lagerback is very good at what he does. And he has done a good national team to a point. But I think now it's sort of time to, you know, blood someone a bit new, a bit more exciting. Um, by saying that, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if we see our Solskjaer and she take over the national team. I mean, it, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if his tenure at United ended at a very similar time that Lagerback ended with, um, at, for Norway. And then you can imagine, you know, the obvious choice for Norway manager at that point is going to be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. People will be calling for that name. And I'm actually not against the idea, especially when you're a national legend like Ole is, you know, you do you do get that sort of boost um, when they first come in to take over, and you know obviously Ole's very good with attacking players. He's managed Haaland before and got a lot out of him. So I think that that would also be an interesting um, appointment. He gets a lot of stick, obviously, because he's United manager. He's not doing great, but you know I think at international level it might might suit him a little bit. Better. Yeah, I think you, there's a lot of points that I would agree with. Um, I mean, national team management is a difficult one. At the best of times, I always t- yeah. kind of go with the, the lines of it. it needs to be someone of that nationality. Not, not all the time, but I feel certainly Norway. Solskjaer would actually be cracking higher because uh, he's very good working with these sort of younger talents as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. the United things want to watch out for. But I think there's a real risk for if they don't get rid of Lagerback, they're going to waste a lot of this talent coming through, and, and he will go eventually if, if, if results are just not there, mm. surely. Um, but I mean, talking of this talent, I mean, and this is a bit of a it's a difficult question, this really, because you, you can't really pinpoint it down <laughs> to one thing. But we have this question from Kurt Baker, and um, he said, I'd love to hear a broader discussion about the large amount of young talent coming out of Norway at the moment. 
but a relatively weak elitisarian and what realistically could be done to improve the latter. We'll talk about the elitisarian later, but there has been this sort of influx of sudden talent that's on, on the scene in Norway and it seems to be building towards this golden generation coming forward. I mean, where does it suddenly come from, you know, do you think? Can you pinpoint it down to two or three factors? Yeah, I think it's, like you say, it's very tough to sort of say one thing, but I do think like there are, you know, a few things that, you know, have contributed to it. I mean, a big thing that I've sort of carried for the last few years is that artificial surfaces have allowed, you know, a more technical type of player to develop in Norway. You know, when you've got, you know, for the last 20 years probably, it's when artificial pitches first were getting popular in Norway and, you know, players were training on them throughout. You think in seasons before that, you know, you can't train in Norway from December until March because it's frozen. So these artificial surfaces, I mean, players can train all year round if they want to. Obviously, the surfaces are a lot flat, a lot more true than a Norwegian pitch in December, which is obviously going to be affected by rain, by snow, by ice. So I think that's a, that plays a massive part to it. And it's the reason why we're seeing players like, you know, like Martin Odegaard come through, very technical um, and not classically Norwegian like you'd associate with when you think of guys in the previous generation, like John Carew or Breda Hangeland. Obviously, very different players to Odegaard, but, you know, still that was the sort of player Norway was producing so I think the artificial surfaces play a big part and I also think um, sort of bring it back to the elite serum question I guess sort of referenced um, the youth the youth sort of the coaches and the categorization of academies recently has really sort of influenced how um, these teams have been bringing players through you know teams are now getting better classifications if they play more more players throughout the season so for example Valarenga recently, um, you'll have noticed they play in a lot more academy prospects, and that is because the classification of their academy can only be implemented once the players have played a certain amount of football on the pitch. So for that reason, you're seeing you know a lot more trust being placed into guys who are you know previously might have gone out on loan, and you know obviously that first team football at such a young age is always going to be great for them especially when you're playing in the elite zone, which is, you know, a top division. It might not be the best quality in Europe. You know, it's still of a good standard. And yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons why we're seeing, you know, players moving abroad, players getting capped a bit younger as well. Yeah, I think that's yeah. sort of two of the main... Mm. It's really interesting because this is a question that always gets asked about, um, you know, where, where these players from Norway suddenly come from. But I mean, there is a, a lot of talent there. And, and they're building towards um, towards something. And so I think my final question to you on this sort of topic is, mm. by the end of the year 2034, there'll be a World Cup in 2034. Mm. God knows where it will be, probably somewhere like Saudi Arabia, knowing <laughs> the way things are going. Um, but that, I make it about sort of eight, maybe eight or nine international tournaments. How many of those tournaments do you think yeah. Norway will qualify for? And what is the furthest you could see them going? Oh, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's um, I w I'd like to think that you know, if if guys like Odegaard, Holland, uh, Sander Berger, Christopher Ayer, you know, if all these guys reach where they can do potential wise, yeah, you know, I, I see no reason why they can't qualify for you know them all until sort of until these guys you know pass through their thirties or whatnot. I think like I think realistically, I mean, qualification is always going to be good for Norway. You know, not qualified for a tournament of twenty years any form of qualification will be greeted with, you know, massive applause. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it, I'd say like a World Cup quarterfinal would be sort of 
potentially the peak of this team. And I think that would be a good peak for them as well. You know, when you consider, I mean, I, I don't even know when the last time they reach a World Cup quarterfinal is, if they even have, I'm not sure they have. Um, but it does seem like on paper, this this Norwegian team could potentially be, you know, the best Norwegian international team of all time, if they're managed correctly. They're certainly the best in the last 20 years. And I mean, I think always the 90s team always has that sort of, the accolade of being the best Norwegian team. But in my opinion, if, yeah, if, if all those guys reach their potential, you know, avoid avoid the lengthy injuries and whatnot. Definitely expect them to qualify for most international tournaments. And yeah, I think a quarterfinal in Euros or World Cup would be a pretty huge achievement. Yeah, it's something Sweden have managed to do as, as a comparison in, in recent times and in recent yeah. decades or whatever. So I don't see why Norway couldn't match it. I could see them in one of those tournaments having a run. You know, I'm not saying um, they can win it, but quarterfinal, semifinal somewhere. And you never know then, do you? But it's exciting. Yeah, exactly. If they can get on a run and, you know, see how far they go, then, you know, a quarterfinal will be awesome. But, you know, once you get to that stage, then it's, it's a one-off game. Anyone can beat anyone, essentially. So, yeah, that, I think Sweden is a good, I mean, Northern Norwegian regional hate me for saying it, but, you know, Sweden is quite a good comparison and quite a good sort of level to look up to. But I'd still say that this Norwegian team could potentially be better than, you know, any Swedish team in the last 20 years as well. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But <laughs> I'd like a World Cup qualification. I love that. Could be better than any Swedish team has produced. Yeah. That's what we want to hear. Exactly. Right? <laughs> right, okay. So we're going to move on to another topic now, which doesn't really get enough attention on the Nordic Football Podcast, and that is the Obos League. And it's the second tier in, in Norway. I do wish I could follow this league more, I must say, but I just simply do not have the time. Um, there's certain teams I do know more about uh, than others. There's other stuff. There's teams down there. I wouldn't have a clue about like you <laughs> about Urgarden or Grorud. Yeah. I have a clue. So Ben, <laughs> you are and you have been an avid uh, follower of this uh, league for quite yes. a long, long time now. I, I do know that. And um, basically, um, just give us a rundown uh, how how the league's gone this season for you. Trumps at the top there with Lillestrøm. Was that a surprise? Yeah. Oh, I think. I mean. The top two generally, it's always going to be set. Lillestrøm had a pretty tough start to the season, but you know they're always going to get promoted again. They're, Tromsø and Lillestrøm's teams are ridiculously good for this level. Like I don't think I can state enough how how good their teams are for Obos level. It's probably you know two of the best teams I've seen in a long time. I mean, and I mean, if you look at their points and their sort of their wins to game ratio, it might not seem like that, but I think you know it takes a lot of time to some of these. They both got relegated last year. So it takes a lot of time for some of these teams to adapt to the Obos again because it is a completely different challenge to the elites they're in. So yeah, they're clearly the two sort of the biggest sides in the league. But it's been it's been really competitive this year, and it's uh, I mean it's competitive every year. I've I've followed it. I mean I followed it from 2015 to 2018 full stop um, full time and sort of part time since because um, I've been focused on the elites they're in. But yeah, it's always been. An inc- like a really exciting league. Yeah, anyone could yeah. be anyone on their day. Um, I mean, you look at the table now, uh, sixth place, which is a final playoff spot. They're still only nine points clear of a relegation spot with three games to go. So, yeah, that sort of thing happens every season. And it's mad to try and work out what's going to happen on the last day. But, yeah, incredibly fun league to follow. Yeah, I mean, this is a league which has had uh, sort of some different formats over the last 10, 15 years. And at the minute, the top two get promoted automatically. Third, fourth, fifth and sixth in a playoff system, which 
Uh, I'm sure there's a, a, I think, I don't know exactly, is it third against sixth and fourth against fifth, or does the third get a bye? Yeah, it's the usual sort of. The usual, yeah. Yeah. And then it looks like two automatically down, 14th in a playoff. I think 14 used to go down from this league, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, it used to be the bottom three. They then changed it to 14th, gets a playoff against um, one of the teams from... The, the league below yeah. so it's sort of weighted a bit more in favour of your boss team staying up it's, these a, days. it's a brutal league in some ways if you just have a bad year you're down there and, and there's it feels like there's there's so much to play for and uh, it's, it's a mixture of, of semi-professional and professional teams right um, yeah, yeah yeah mostly semi-pro I guess these days um, yeah it's a, good, it's a good mix like, like I mentioned Tromsø and Lillestrøm are two massive clubs but then like again you mentioned Oygarden and Grorud who are you know, very much local teams, you know, semi-pro teams. So, yeah, it's a good mix. <laughs> in, it, we see it a lot in, in recent years where teams that go, go straight down from the elite area, they're straight away, they're in the promotion hunt the next year, or if not that year, then the year after. I mean, all of a sudden, an example hmm. of this. Tromso have a great history. Whenever Tromso go down, it seems they're straight back up. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I know it's. You don't want to be travelling up there, do you? If you're in the Obos, to be fair. But I mean, Lillestrøm, you know, they had problems at the start, and there's a lot of pressure expectations that they come back now. Look, yeah. like they're probably going to get second. Songdal have always been in the top six, I think, since they went mm. down. Randheim. I mean, they've they've bounced back well this year. <laughs> is, is it like? Yeah. It's, it's this this big gap between sort of Obos and, and teams that have just come down from the elite series. Is, is there a big gap there? Yeah, I mean, it's similar to what we mentioned before in terms of professional teams. I mean, the top four we just mentioned, Tromso, Lillestrøm, Songdal and Ranheim, are the four biggest, you know, clubs in the division. And, you know, it's no surprise they're all fully or mostly professional. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, the Obos does get a lot of stick compared to Elite Serien because it is, it is significantly weaker. And that is because the bottom half of the league generally is comprised of a lot of smaller teams, you know, they don't have a budget to compete at the top, but they're more than happy to sort of stick around, develop young players, sell them on, and just sort of earn their keep that way. So the gap's always going to be big, and especially when teams like Tromsø and Lillestrøm are getting relegated. You know, you look at you look at your Leeds in a recent season, some of the teams that have gone down, I mean, let's not forget, like, Bodo Glimp were down in the Obos uh, three years yeah. ago, and they're now top of the Leeds by <laughs> a mile. So, you know, it's not... It's almost like the, the teams that are coming down from the elite series are the teams that you wouldn't expect to come down that season. I mean, last year, I, I, I wouldn't have expected Tromso or Lillestrøm to come down, but they did, and they managed to keep most of their teams together, luckily, and obviously that's now, they're, they're playing at a lower level with an elite series standard squad still. Um, and it does it does mostly just come down to money at the end of the day. I mean, there are clubs in Obos who should be challenging a little bit higher. Clubs like San, there's, you know, you've got Hamcam down there, I think Yerv could be a little bit further up if they if they invested their money a bit wiser. Um, but at the end of the day, they're never going to be, well, never say never, but you know, not for a while, they won't be at the same level of a Tromso or a Lillestrøm just because of finances, essentially. Yeah, and um, I mean, just some predictions for me here. I mean, Tromso are effectively up, aren't they? If that is yeah. it, even, might even be confirmed. I'm not actually sure mathematically, but uh, I mean, second place, you've got to say Lillestrøm are sort of in in, in the the favourites there right now. From that bunch of playoff teams, is there a team that could really surprise someone uh, in the Elite Serie that, that ends up in the playoff spot, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Songdal are an excellent side and 
they're, they're a team that I actually quite hope would get promoted this year. Um, yeah, as you said, I think Troms are all but up now, all but on goal difference. Lidlstrom as well. I think they have maybe one or two wins away. Um, but yeah, you look at the rest of there are some incredibly excited teams, exciting teams there. I mean, Ranheim obviously have been in the elite zone before. Osana have completely overachieved this year. They've been unbelievably good to watch. Um, some of the players they're producing in Bergen, you know, like Bran, you'd expect Bran, the main Bergen team, to be picking up all these players, but mm. it seems like Osana are getting there ahead of them despite being in the lower league and they're doing a brilliant job at developing, you know, a really exciting young squad there. Um, and then you've got sort of like, so I'd say three or four teams changing for sixth. You've got Carefree and Oslo, uh, Ralphos, Hamcam and Sanders and, you know, all four of those teams could, you know, have a shout of finishing sixth, you know. They're all within about two to three points of each other. Um, personally, I'd like to see Ralphos up there because, you know, similarly to Asana, they've got some unbelievably good young players coming through. They've, you know, they've really bet on youth this year and it's paid off. You know, they're one of the most exciting teams to watch in the league. Um, someone like Sanders should be up there because, you know, they've invested really heavily in the squad this season. But they got a new manager. I think they... They went to playing three at the back. They haven't done that before, and that's that's been a bit of a struggle for them. But um, yeah, I guess to, yeah, to answer your question directly, Songdal for me are ones mm. to watch. I think they've got a really, really good squad. Osana <laughs> against uh, Bran in a playoff match would be rather interesting, wouldn't it? Um, I must say that would <laughs> be, would be. Uh, crazy stuff. And and down towards the bottom there, I noticed Comsvinia uh, a rock bottom. It doesn't look good for them. I know you actually, you even went to Oslo, didn't you, to watch them in the cup final yeah, yeah. a few years ago. It's sad to see them down there. And another team that we want to keep our eye on is Sturdle's Blink because we've got um, an English manager taking charge of them next season in Tom Dent. Mm. It looks like they're going to survive, you would hope. Um, I mean, let's talk us yeah. down at the bottom there. Who, who looks likely to go? Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, Kongsvinger, unfortunately, are all but down really i mean they've got they've played two games more than most of the teams surrounding them so you know a couple of results against them and so all over which is a bit ridiculous frankly because you know they are one of the teams that should be aiming for the top six every season in obos but they've just been completely mismanaged this year just (laughs) if i I could i reckon i could do a whole podcast on kongsvinger and their problems if i wanted to to be honest because They've got, they've got such. The squad is good, you know. The squad is is possibly a top, you know, top six, top eight squad. But there's just no identity there. There's no tactical sort of fluency. Uh, yeah, just a lost cause at the moment. And I think Espen Nystuen, who is the director of football and the manager, and used to play centre back, um, needs to, you know, he needs to really either go or get some, or get a manager in to sort this out next season because if he if he carries on you know essentially running the club himself it's just going to go from worse to worse but yeah aside from them i think oigarden looked doomed as well um they're another club who've had various issues this season um at one point in the season all obos teams were handed 200 tickets um because of covid so obviously Grounds are mostly closed, but the NFF said, here you go, here's 200 tickets. We'll, we'll let a few fans in. Oigarden couldn't even sell out that total. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're a new club. They're, they're formed. They're essentially what Nestotra were last season, so another Bergen-based club. So they're competing with Osana yeah. and Bran for the same sort of players, and 
there's the support isn't there to sort of warrant a club at that higher level to be fair like considering how threadbare the squad has been this year and it's basically comprised of mostly loanies and you know free transfers from the lower divisions they've actually done pretty well to get even up to 24 points in 27 games to be honest so you know something there is something to take away they need to they really need to you know start to build a a full-time squad if they want to ever come back up um and yeah, aside from that, there's going to be a pretty exciting race uh, for the playoff spot. You've got Grorud, Yerv, Strumman, and obviously you mentioned Sjordal's blink, uh, where Tom Dent's taking over. To be honest, I think it's going to be between Grorud and Strumman uh, for that 14th spot. And, you know, based on, I mean, Grorud, they lost 6-1 at the weekend, and their form has been pretty abysmal lately. It seems like they're going to be the team to occupy that playoff spot. So I think blink will be safe and hopefully... Give uh give our Tom a little nice platform to build on next season. Yeah, just looking at Strum and uh, there's been points docked in this league with a couple of clubs. What was the minus yeah. three for? Yeah, it was just financial difficulties at the end oh. of last season, and yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a little bit harsh because you know these are clubs who are isn't they don't have great finances anyway, and <laughs> the NFF decides to punish them further with a deduction. That's so. a bit harsh. That is a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah. There is a one very interesting team that's going to come up to our boss next year, and that is Frederikstad. A historically big club in Norway, really uh, Lita Serien club in all but name in, in a lot of respects. So, um, yeah. I mean, they've, they've I've not looked at the other divisions, but I know they've actually trounced their own, um, <laughs> something like 15 clear or whatever. And, um, I mean, this is an exciting club to come back into Obos, isn't it? Because uh, there's a great historical, um, you know, power here, yeah, 100%. I mean, we were talking about the sort of powers of Obos earlier, they they are pretty much. You know, as big a side as Tromso, maybe not Lillestrøm, but they are definitely on a sort of similar mm-hmm. level. You, know, you look at their stadium; it's I think it's twenty thousand seat a stadium. It's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's again, it's like it's a story of just terrible mismanagement. Um, previously, not this year. They've been excellent. This year, they've won in their team games, and yeah, like you said, absolutely walked the division. But they were, you know, I. I don't even have a word for it, but when I first covered Obos in 2015, every single season it would be Fredericks had to going up this year, they're going to go back to Elite Serien, and every single year they'd be in a relegation fight. They just could not find a manager, their recruitment was terrible. They were just essentially buying Elite Serien players aged 32 or older who might still have legs to play at that level. Um, so it's, it's really good to see they've actually got a plan now. They've had a um, former Norwegian manager, Per Matthias Hogmo, around the squad. I think he managed them and he's now maybe sporting director um, over the last couple of seasons. And he's really sort of brought a new impetus to the club and I think brought back some of the professionalism that they really did lack sort of when I first started covering the Obos. Um, so it'll be great. It'll be great to see him back. I'd love to see him back in the Elite Serien because, you know, they've got a fan base, they've got the stadium. They just, they just need the on-field results now and a bit more, you know, professionalism there and hopefully that that's been restored they, they really are a team to watch um i remember i had to i had to cover frederick start uh, hmm. in the elite series a number of number of years ago now we're talking <laughs> alianusi days here yeah and yeah. um they they won the playoff match to stay in the elite series that season it might have been 2008 around that mark yeah maybe maybe a couple of years later actually and um they thrashed it they won something like five or six goals and they yeah. were at home and they played that goal music they've got 
and they used to play it right the whole thing through like a 30 second clip every time was a goal and it was stuck in my head all month yeah. after that and so i've always had a bit of a soft spot for, for them and i would like to see them do well apologies to any sashborg fans listening yeah. but um it would be good to see them back in in, in the top five they're, they're a big club and i do I wish them well certainly let, let's just have at least a solid season for them mate. not straight back down or something stupid yeah I've, i think they should do as well because their squad is still really good i mean i'm i'm looking at their squad list now and they've got players who were playing at the time when i used to cover them who i used to think were really good but just underperformed i mean they've got thomas draga who you know used to be at tromso they've got nikolai solberg who scores goals every year they've got a keeper called Havard Jensen, who I used to really rate as a young keeper back in the day. There's, there's players there who I'm just, to be honest, I'm surprised they're still there. Um, and it is, you know, on paper, it's already an obviously game standard squad. Mm. Uh, I back that squad to finish above half of this division, to be honest, as it is. So hopefully they can, you know, start to really, you know, amp up their recruitment a bit more, you know, coming into this next season. Just before we finish this section, could you just give us a sort of a two or three names to float around in this league right now who mm. could maybe transfer to the top division next season? Is there some bright talents to watch from the Obos? Yeah, there's been a load actually. It's been a really good year for like individual talents. Um, a lot of people have sort of messaged me saying that well, the league's got a bit weaker, but you know, it, in a way, it's good because it means that these guys are getting more minutes. So. Yeah, I think my favourite one is a guy at Sogndal called Sivert Mansverk, who reminds me a bit of sort of Steven Gerrard, the way he plays, you know, like a young Steven Gerrard when he was sort of a box-to-box midfielder. He's only 18. He's the captain of Sogndal, which is, you know, amazing in itself. Um, he probably won't be going to an elite zone team. I can imagine him going to a foreign team because he's already that good. In my opinion, he's probably good enough to be starting for you know, quite a few elite serving teams as it is. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up next year. Uh, there's also a guy called Elias Solberg at Olkisa, who is more of a winger. He can play in the middle as well, but he's a bit more of a winger, a bit more of a wide man. But again, only 16 years old, which is crazy. And he's already a sort of semi-regular Miss Olkisa team. And I spoke to a few of their players and their coaches over the course of the season. And they're all telling me that he's going to be playing in Champions League football at some point. So Again, I'd like to, I'd like to maybe see him have another year in Obos next year and you know start all the games or you know most of the games and see how he gets on before moving. But again, it wouldn't surprise me if there were teams from Elite Serie and uh, from Europe all following him as well. Um, yeah, the final player I think there's another guy there's a guy maybe not like a, a youngster but a player for Osana um, who I mentioned is sort of one of the most exciting teams in the league uh, this season called uh, Christopher Valsvik who is. A sort of deep line playmaker, defensive midfielder. I was I was doing a bit of research into sort of some stats in the Obos uh, a couple of weeks ago and realised that he's completed about three thousand more passes than anyone else in the league, which is absolutely absurd. And you know, these aren't just sideway passes; these are like, you know, he's one of the key creators in the team. He's got a wicked free kick. He assists goals regularly now as well. He's um yeah, he's twenty five years old and. I can't imagine him staying at that level next season. Uh, this was actually, I think, his first. Uh, uh, this was actually his first season in Obos, so that makes it to me even more impressive. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up next year. I'd like, to, I'd like to see him at Elite Seven team, and I think, I think Brown could do with someone like him, to be honest. So, I'll be hoping they they put a bid in. He could be the one there. So, thanks very much for. Uh 
talking about some great talents there in the Airbus League. And I think we would have gone through. There's a few other questions that came in. I think mm. we talked about going through it here. Remco B um, asked about uh, the favourites for promotion relegation. We've touched on that. CJ um, mm. Odin's, uh, Odin's creation asked, uh, do you see any clubs in the second or third tier of Norway that are able to be in the Mediterranean and stay there? Within the next five years, I guess we sort of hmm. thoughts on Frederick Stack there. Tromsø, Lillestrøm, a song now the sort of side that if they come back up this time, they're going to be there regularly. Yeah, it just depends on uh, if they fancy it really, because they are traditionally sort of a side that they'll do very well. They'll then sell all their players, and then they'll do badly. So it depends on whether they want to really. If they if they can keep some of their key players, if they do get promoted, then yeah, they've got the facilities and the ability to stay up there. Brilliant. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to have a little bit of a break now. We'll be back. We're going to talk about Elite Serian Matters and a few other things. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back very soon. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined on this episode by Ben Wells. We're going to talk about uh, the Elitarian now, and uh, so many meaty topics here to discuss. And uh, we're going to have to start with 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 the the champions uh, elect Buda Glimt uh, because there's so many questions about them, and there's so much to talk about <laughs> them. And I, you kind of have a bit of an intriguing history, sort of, uh, with Buda Glimt, don't you? Ben, because um, I mean, last season we go back to start the last season, and yeah. the whole of the Norwegian media, pretty much everyone out there, predicted the Budigland to be relegated. Um, I think <laughs> I had them down about twelve or thirteenth. I wasn't expecting much myself, to be brutally honest. Yeah, and um, I mean, at one point it looked like they were going to be um, even winning the, the league last year. And uh, yeah. we we have this famous thing about the humble pie. From last season, <laughs> yeah. Um, how did that one go down? Yeah, it was a it's a funny situation. I mean, I I was doing a bit of writing at the time for sort of various websites and predicted Border Glimp to get relegated. Basically, I watched them in preseason and their results were okay in preseason. They did pretty well, but they had about three central midfielders, one striker, one winger. You know, the squad was so thin, and they'd just been promoted. I was thinking, no, yeah, no way, this isn't going to happen. And they're they're going to go straight back down unless they unless they strengthen. So I think I had them rock bottom, or you know, at worst, second bottom. And of course, they had they had this amazing season, uh, nowhere near as amazing as this year, but yeah, still by all accounts a brilliant season. Um, and yeah, I can't remember. If, I think they finished third in the end, maybe third or second in the end. So very close to winning the league. And I got sent a humble pie from Glimt Stegen, which is a. a Twitter account associated with a club, um, you know, a fan group. <laughs> so I came in, came into my office at work one day to a big wet dripping package addressed to me. <laughs> I had no idea. I was trying to wrap my brain thinking, what have I, what have I ordered here? And why is it dripping? And just opening it up to find this pie. It was, it was amazing. It was a good, uh, it was a good start to what was a very sort of wet Monday morning, I think in the office. So it was, it was a good laugh and like, yeah, I know, I know the guys well, so it's all all taken in uh in good humour. So and I got a free pie out of it. So yeah, 
Uh, I can't remember exactly what was in the pie. It wasn't a meat pie, was it? But it was a nice steak and ale. It was, I think. Oh, was uh, it really? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, I would have loved that. I would have happily. Yeah. Uh, I've had in the office about a week after just serving. That was my dinner and my lunch for about a week. So <laughs> I think uh, I did well. Up. Man, I mean, this this glimp team. I mean, it's almost come from nowhere to, to <laughs> what it is. Uh, is this the best side you've ever seen? In the elite Assyrian since you've covered it for me yeah by a mile um for me you know i i obviously only started covering the league in 2015 so i never saw like the great 90s rosenborg team i never saw you know like the starbeck team of the mid 2000s who were all, all both you know awesome teams but for me it's hard to imagine a team better than this you know they're so dominant it's unbelievable they've absolutely walked the league this season they've never never ever looked in trouble i think the only game they lost this year was maybe after like an international break or a very uh, intense period of football where they had to rest a few players and they were missing some key men. So, yeah, it, it's been unbelievable. And like I said last year, it, it just came out of nowhere. You know, they, they employed Kessel Knutson, who was formerly of Osana. Um, and when he was Osana manager, I was covering them in Obos at the time. And yeah, he did, he did okay with me, kept him up, but it was never anything special. So when he when he was appointed Bordeaux Glimp manager, I was a bit like, okay, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, it's an appointment that makes sense, but doesn't really excite me too much. You know, now he's he's the best manager in Norway by a mile. Yeah, and he's he's coached this team so well, like to get every ounce of talent out of every player this season, and you know, to keep them all playing on the pitch in what has been, you know, one of the toughest seasons schedule wise ever. You know nothing but positive things to say about Bodo Glimp this year. We've had a question. We've actually had a couple of questions from someone called Turkil uh, S. Johnson, and this is an interesting mm. one. Which players <clears throat> or teams are running the most and the fastest? I read an interview with one of Glimp's physical trainers a while back, wondering whether or not they built a physical advantage pre-season, and perhaps a low average age has also helped um, with them this season, especially when there was two matches a week. How much... Of that physical side of Buda Glimt has helped them this year, do you think? I, I think it's huge. It, like, it can't be understated, especially this season. I think any other season it would maybe be a footnote, um, but this year it is so prominent. How much, how fitter they've been, how physically better they've been than the rest of the league. Um, they were one of, I think, only a handful of sides in, in the elite series not to furlough players um, when COVID hit and the lockdown hit at first. So essentially what that meant was they were still able to train and they were still able to assign work to the players um, throughout the lockdown, whereas teams who had furloughed their players weren't allowed to do that. They had to train by themselves. They weren't meant to have any contact with coaches, with fitness staff, anything like that. But yeah, Bordeaux still, you know, they were assigning players, their work still, they were making sure they were eating right. You know, all the things that, you know, professional clubs should be doing. So that's been a... You know, obviously a massive reason why they've done so well and you saw sort of in the first maybe 10 or so rounds of the league season they they ran further they ran harder they were physically superior uh, they played the same 11 pretty much every single week and they still have this year it's still pretty much the same 11 that comes out every single week which is unbelievable mm. like when you, when you look at the schedule as we mentioned i think there was maybe you know 10 games in june or uh, 10 games in july yeah, a game every two or three days, and they were still fielding the same team every single week. So that fluency, that consistency, and the fact that 
you know, they're just trained better than any other elite Syrian side. I think that has been the main reason why they've won the league this year or they're going to win the league. I mean, I had them down, I think, sixth or seventh. That was my mm. prediction this year. I mean, to be honest, I have to eat a bit of a more <laughs> this year for sure. Um, I think I said the same, mate. I think I said, <laughs> I think I said about fifth because I... My my theory was that last year was almost felt like an anomaly at the time. Mm, it did. It, it just did. Like, it felt like that was the, the year. And 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 there's a question that kind of leads to it. I mean, because Hawk on Evian was a massive part of them in mm. 2019. Bendik Leith or Leiter, I don't know exactly how you pronounce that surname. Um, asked, how would Ben compare the season that Jens Petter Hawk has had in 2020 versus the season that Evian had in 2019? Yeah, it's a good comparison to make mm. because they're very similar players. Um, I do think that a lot of Evian's achievements last year have been sort of forgotten in what has become Halga mania this season. You know, the, the amount of attention on Jens Petter Halga this year has been unbelievable. And this is a guy who I've watched since he was 16 years old. And to me, it's it's mad, like seeing the hype around him, you know, the subsequent move to AC Milan, all the stories behind that, you know, after the Milan, Milan game. Oh, it's been so funny. But, I do feel a bit for Hakan Evian because last year he was unbelievable. Yeah, you know he he was player of the season last year. He beat Magnus Wolf Eichrum to player of the season, and Wolf Eichrum was also unbelievable next year, and is probably the best player in the league. You know, on a technical level, um, I think yeah, obviously because he's now moved to RZ Altmar, he's he's maybe not playing there as much as he would hope. You know, he's still making a bench. I think pretty much every week when he's fit, but he's not become a first team regular yet. So I do think a lot of his achievements have been forgotten, but obviously Harga this year was exceptional to register that amount of goals, assists in uh, three quarters of a season before he left. And yeah, I think a lot of people had sort of, well, or I saw a lot of people saying that it came up, come out of nowhere, but I can assure you it hadn't like, I know this guy well and how hard he trains, how much effort he puts in, um, you know, and how much he had what he had wanted to get to this level since he was, you know, 16, 17 years old. So he fully, you know, he fully deserves all the accolades he's getting and he's been exceptional. Um, I guess to answer a question sort of directly, I think Halga's probably had a slightly better year in general, but, you know, it's easy to forget that Hakan Evian still scored double digits and assisted probably, I think, nearly double digits last year as well. Um, so his numbers are pretty similar to Halga's, but I think in terms of overall impact, it's you know, you've got to say Halga has been you know, the better player over the last two years. Just how high do you think Halga's ceiling is? I mean, I almost consider it like a Holland ceiling a little bit if he really. It's, it's, it's a tough one because he's he's had a lot. His route to the top's been so much harder than Holland. Holland, you know, burst on the scene at Molder and hasn't looked back. It's just been you know, a motor to a top. You know, Halga burst on the scene for me in about 2017 in the Obosli game where, yeah, he's 17 years old and he registered, you know, an assist, I think, you know, every other game pretty much. It was unbelievable. But then he sort of lost a bit of form. I think he put on a little bit of weight at the time and he was struggling, you know, to, you know, get used to the sort of professional lifestyle the footballer needs. So he went, went on loan to Orlis and, and didn't have the greatest of time, came back to Glimt and was just sat on the bench for half a year, essentially. Um, so it's a tough one. Like his his break in the last year has been deserved, and he's been brilliant. But it's sort of it's quite hard to gauge where his ceiling is. I mean, if you had told me a year ago that he'd be at AC Milan today, and probably I probably wouldn't have believed you. I, I, I've always thought that he could reach that level eventually, but I'm surprised it's happened this quickly. 
but the circle Bruges if it weren't for COVID, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. He, think about this. He was on the brink, on the brink of joining him and turn him down. And I remember at the time because it was quite early in the season. He was he had essentially all but signed a deal there before he suddenly hit this unbelievable purple patch and then decided, now nah, do you know what? I can do better. And I think he, that's the best decision he's made in his career so far because just by holding on for that next six months or so, he secured the title for Glimpse before he's left. And he's well, he's played AC Milan at the San Siro and he's now joined AC Milan. He's playing there every week. You know, It's, it's an unbelievable story and yeah, he, he fully deserves it. What a club, though, Glimp have been for, for developing talent in, in the last few years. And we've got some questions now from from the new Sturgill's Blink manager, Tom Dent. And, uh, first, he asked, was it a good pie? I think we pretty much answered that one. Um, but some other interesting ones from him. What is your favourite player that you've seen play that's gone on to do big things? And uh, what what do you think to, to Buda Glimp's chances uh, for 2021 and he even asked about blinks as well but uh Buda Glimp going forward can they now become a perennial contender yeah I think yeah, I'll answer the Buda Glimp one first um I don't see a reason why not I think they've they've set up a structure in the club now um which will hopefully see them be a successful team for you know the next 10 years or so at least um Osman Bjorkan who is you know a former manager and now the sort of director of football there you know, he's worked really hard to make sure that Glimps are, you know, as professional as they can possibly be. They've got possibly the best physical team in the league. They've got some of the best coaches in the league. They've got the best manager in the league. Um, I can't imagine Kessel Nutzen will be staying there forever. But at the same time, I'd like to think he'd spend another year for the European run next season. So, yeah, they've got all the tools there to to be a very good club, you know, in the coming years as well. Also, it's worth noting as well, they're in an area where, you know, clubs around border, there's not a lot of professional football clubs in that area. So their catchment area for young players is pretty big. And it's it's a big reason why, you know, they're bringing through so many good young players at the moment because they've almost got that area of North Norway sort of on lock in terms of their youth uh, recruitment. So, yeah, I think I could, I'd be surprised if they won the league you know, every year, if they became that sort of powerhouse, just because, you know, Rosenborg is still there, Mulder is still there. But, you know, I'd like to think that they would be challengers, you know, for the foreseeable future. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you've got a chance of a... Next, the yeah, other uh, how, do you, how do you see uh, Blinks uh, doing next year under Tom Dent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you one thing about... Uh, there's a tipster I, I, I follow, a very good tipster yeah. called Christine Kay, actually, who, um, who who is very successful in Obosley again. And mm. he... All I kept seeing this year on his... Bets for the Sturdles blink matches are over three and a half goals, and they average three point eight goals per game into overall. In there must be wild affairs. I but mean, the, yeah, the funniest thing of that, I actually I was looking into it uh, recently because I was like, how are they scoring so many? They've created the least chances in the league, uh, second least chances in the league compared to anyone else. Their their conversion rate is just <laughs> unbelievable. So it's it's something that's potentially unsustainable, and it's something that. Tom's going to have to look at next year to, um, you know, keep them up because I'm, I think they'll start this year. So he'll, he'll get a crack in the Obos again next year. And I'm sure his aim for the first year will be, you know, solidify that place in Obos, maybe push for top six if circumstances allow. Um, but yeah, the, 
I think he would lo- he he would love to just keep him up, and I think realistically that will be the aim next year. And they've got a very good squad, so I can see it happening. I don't see why not. Mm. Yeah, and his final question from Tom there was favorite player you've seen play that's gone on to do big things. I'm going to go rogue here because I mean I think the obvious answer is like Harlan Hauger. Yeah, I mean Harlan Hauger I've followed since they were both sort of 15, 16 years old, so it's been mad seeing what they achieved, but. I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention a guy called Andreas Hanke Olsen of Starbeck, who's recently joined KAA Gent, Gent in Belgium. And that's just because he's, I mean, I used to be a centre-back back in my day. Um, and defenders, you know, they don't they don't get the credit attackers do, let's be honest. And it, it has been really good to see him because at the start of his Starbeck career, he was written off by absolutely everybody. He was pushed out to right back, which wasn't a natural position. You know, even his own fans were calling him terrible. And over the last two years, he has very quickly risen to be probably one of the best, if not the best, centre back in the elite serum. And he's got, you know, he's got Norwegian call ups off the back of it. So, yeah, I think aside from, you know, Hauga Haaland, I've been really pleased to see Hanke Olsen do really well, especially because Norway are lacking a little bit in the defensive department. So to have another guy come through who could potentially. You know, be a lock in that international team for the next ten years has been really good to see. Yeah, and that's a really good one actually because he's been he, he can play literally anywhere in the back, can he? He's been moved around mm. much over the years, and um... yeah, he's he's hundred percent. He's a centre back, you know, hundred percent by trade. But he, I think the fact that he played right back for so long has given him sort of quite a unique skill set at centre back, and it's really improved. Like his you know, his distribution skills, especially, have really improved recently. I know it's actually his um, his profile on the new football manager is, is really good. Is it? He's <laughs> got some very good attributes in the new FM. Definitely one for, for anyone. <laughs> one Norwegian defender out there. He uh, he can raid the Belgian league. And, uh, I hope he goes well there because there's so many players from Scandinavia go to Belgium and it doesn't work out. But hopefully, yeah. he started every game so far. So I'm I'm hoping he'll continue and then you know potentially even get a bigger move. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, so let's move on. Let's move on. We, we could talk about the top. <laughs> yeah. we, we are going to sort of touch on Volarenga here because you had an, um, a question uh, from someone. Eric uh, mm. uh, Skovdal asked about uh, Volarenga and the players, basically about uh, contracts uh, going out, Board Finner, Lekvin, Tosh Nation, Williams and Charlotte. Who should they be looking to replace them with in the financial situation they've got? I mean... How, how have you assessed Volleringa this season with Fergurma? Are they the sort of club? Because they feel to me like this could be a place where finally he could win a league, uh, a club like this. Yeah, I think they're, they're a team in the elite series who could explode similarly to Glimpse if they're managed correctly and if mm-hmm. they recruit correctly. Because, you know, Volleringa are you know, the probably most of the well-known Oslo team and they've got such a good academy and they've got so many good young players coming through at the moment. But... I expect them to do pretty well in, in sort of future seasons. Obviously, you mentioned there like a few players leaving. Um, to be honest, I don't think the players that are leaving at the end of the season are going to be hard to replace. And that's not me saying they're bad players, but there's players who haven't been key this season. I mean, Bod Finner, I really rate him highly, but he's only been a bit part player. Lekven, I mean, if Lekven goes, you've got Odin Tiago home, who is a brilliant young player, coming straight into that position. Uh, Tolas Nation, he mentioned, I think he might stay. He is a captain, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. And then Vilhelmsen and Charla, who, yeah, they're both 
historically very good players. Charles a Kosovan international. Vilhelmsen's a you know former Icelandic international. But yeah, Valerenga are stacked in those positions. If they can keep hold of Donham and you know Sarawi for at least half of next year, that gives them a good good amount of time to either prepare someone from the youth team or you know sign someone as a replacement and. Uh, yeah, guys like Sarawi and Dunham are going to be going for a lot of money. So you'd like to think that Valerenga are going to have a good good wedge to sort of reinvest in that squad at some point. Dunham looks really good to me. It, it just yeah. feels like he's moved next level in the last few months. And I, I'd, be, I'd like to see him a uh, whole season next year with him. I don't know whether they can keep him or not. But like you say, yeah. they just need to re- reinvest and, and, and build towards sort of this. They had this three, four-year project under Ronnie Dyler. And yeah. Uh, and, and I liked how they set that out and that, but it just it didn't didn't work. I'm guessing they got something similar going on with Fragomo, but he's more of a long term manager, isn't he? You almost feel he yeah. could achieve some. You've got to think he's going to go close. If you give him five years at the job, I reckon he can go close to a gold medal in one of the uh, years. Yeah, I agree. And I think the problem with Dyla was always that he never seemed like he wanted it as much as the club said that they wanted it to sort of get to that level. It, it always seemed like a sort of stopgap in his career and. Yeah, it it made sense that as soon as the next sort of well-paid manager job in New York came up, he left. And I think for Valerenga's sake, taking on Fargamo was probably the best decision they've made in a long time in terms of you know managerial appointments, off-field appointments, because he's someone who traditionally will give young players minutes. And you know, Valerenga have been crying out for someone to give these young lads they've got in their B team and their academy minutes for ages. You know, Sarawi. Osama Sarawi was not around last season. He wasn't even around the first team squad. This year, he is probably one of the best wingers, attacking midfielders in the league. And yeah, that doesn't come from nowhere. He's not just suddenly become that. He was he was that good, you know, or nearly that good last year, but overlooked. So I think there's a lot of promise with Valerenga. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do next year and also whether they can finish top three this year. Um but I do think Fargamo is, you know, long term going to be a very good appointment for him. He's a bitch of an opponent, isn't he? Really, Fargamo. <laughs> he just is like he he's, he wants it a lot, unlike Dyla, perhaps. And I mean, you're watching yeah. him some games where they're like three 0 up, four one up, and they score a late goal, and he's just going large on the sideline. <laughs> and it just yeah. makes me laugh. I'm like, that would piss me off so much. Joe, you know what? Like, yeah, he gets a lot of stick, doesn't he, old Fargamo? But I, I do, I, I do love him as a coach. I think. He gets a lot of stick for the way he plays, but it is actually he's a lot more progressive than people give him credit for in terms of how he plays. I think at odd, he adapted well to the players he had and he set up with a very sort of solid defensive approach. At Valarenga, when they when they when they get into gear, they're, they're one of the best attacking sides to watch. You know, it's like and the fact that he's got the most out of Sarawi and Durnham sort of speaks volumes to how adaptable he is as a coach. Yeah, he, as I say, I, I really rate him, and he plays for ninety-five minutes. There's no yeah. slacking anything. He's right until that final whistle's blown. They're at it, and, and yeah. I like that about for going. I, I'm, I'm confident going forward, they they can do something. And we're going to move on to another club now that perhaps could in the future challenge. But um, there is a question from Nath at mm. Nath Hill twenty nine. Is there a team you expected more of in both divisions now? Elite Serian, which is the club? It stands out for you. Well, yeah, for me, I think it's, I mean, the same for everyone. Bran always will stand out this year as underachievers. It's been a dreadful season for them. I, 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 I can't even, 
Yeah. I've got this down on the on the itinerary as brand interrogation. <laughs> it have to be, isn't it? Because how does yeah. a side that I mean I everyone pretty much had them. I mean on paper they could have even challenged for the title in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, how are they down there in twelfth right now, potentially in relegation trouble? It's just it, to, for me the issue is largely off field because I think I still think the players they have are very good and they should be challenging at the top. But the problem was at the end of last season, they should have got rid of Larsana Nilsson. Uh, Larsana is a coach who I actually quite like, but you know, anyone could have told you that his time was up at Brown last year. They'd gone completely stagnant as a team. You know, there was oh, there was just no desire to win games there. And when they gave him that the backing over the winter when the season ended, leading into his current season, and I was astounded because there were so there were coaches available they could have taken on. Anyway, they persisted with Larsana and obviously the inevitable happened. They disappointed. They were mid-table. So they replaced him. And then they managed to get that spectacularly wrong as well. Um, I think <laughs> on paper, Cora Inga Brigson, who is the new manager, on paper it's solid. You know, he won the title with Rosenborg. But you know, this was a Rosenborg team who were just better than anybody else, you know, personnel-wise. And he hadn't really succeeded abroad. He come back to Braun and it just yeah, it's not worked. He's I don't know, I can't remember the exact stats off the top of my head, but he's even not won since he's joined, or he's only won one game and Braun have gone from you know shocking. Mid- um, yeah. I mean the appointment in itself at the time did seem a little slightly negative slash safe almost a little bit. Uh, I think it's the word, yeah. I think so. We'll talk about who they perhaps could have brought in um, soon. But uh, my biggest problem with Bran at the minute, I don't know what football they're trying to play, Ben. I, I no. just um, I look like one week to another, there's no identity. And, and I think back to that sort of Rosenborg side under Caro Ingebrigtsen. And mm. really, the identity was the club's identity, wasn't it? It wasn't him. Yeah, exactly. So, and, yeah. You know, what, what, what do you say? I mean, do you see him lasting? I mean, say they just say he keeps them up. I mean, are they going to keep him? I mean, is he shown enough? I think they've got they've got to cut their losses. Um, I'm not someone to you know, yeah. I'm going to do my best Gary Neville impression here. I'm not someone to call for a manager's head on a whim because you know, I do believe in giving managers time to implement a project. But the problem was always that they got rid of Larson and Nielsen because he the club had gone stagnant, the formation was stagnant, the setup was stagnant, and they brought in Kara Ingebrigtsen, who is essentially the same manager in a way. He plays the same formation. He plays the same type of wingers. The fullbacks do the same job. The midfield is set up in pretty much the same way. It just wasn't enough of a change. And at the time that Larson had left, the players needed to change. They need they needed someone to come in and say, look, this is our identity. This is how we're going to play. And we're going to get back to the top. They didn't have that. They had someone who came in and essentially played the same way, which was never going to work. Um... And yes, yeah, sort I've of mentioned around the appointment, there were managers available who could have could have given that impetus, and you know, it would have been much better for them to have gone a different direction. But they end up staying on the same path, and now, you know, they could even get relegated this year, which well, would be a disaster. We've been here before, haven't we? I think 2014, 15, yeah. around, that. and um, it, it almost feels eerily similar, uh, where. Mm. You, or you, I mean, everyone would have to agree on paper they are too good to go, but matches are not won on paper. Um, I, I'm concerned because I'm looking at their fixtures. They've got Rudenborg next. Yeah. I mean, it's just a game where they're second best in any way. 
you got all of Sunderland at home. I mean, Lars Arnold Nielsen turns up. I mean, he's going to want, you know, want it. Or actually, yeah. if he hits his head, he probably won't want Bran in the Oberst League game with him. But, um, um, you know, he's going to want it. And they've got Viking away, which is like proper local derby. And then you're looking at the last three games. I mean, if they lose their next three, they're mm. going to have Gendalman all over them. Could, yeah. they, could, could they go down? Yeah, I think, of, of course they could. I think their form is terrible. You know, they're one of the worst form teams in the league at the moment. And, you know, as you mentioned, the fixtures are so tough. Um, I did I did a little calculation on um, one of the local Norwegian websites today, actually, uh, bt.no, who are doing a fixture predictor. And I think at the end of the season, I had them staying up by about three or four points in the end. And I, I, I do think that's what's going to happen. I hope that's what's going to happen because it would be a disaster if they did go down. But, you know, clearly, if they don't turn this form around, then, you know, anything can happen. And... You know, teams at the bottom are playing pretty well at the moment. Start have started to, you know, perform a little bit better. Mjondalen are always good for a shock result every now and then if they get their free kicks right. Arlison, they're obviously doomed, but, you know, there's still two spots up for grabs about in that bottom. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, one manager that Bram maybe could have brought in mid-season was with Marty Thifuentes. Hmm. Um, I know you've you've talked uh, about him on, on Twitter a lot and you rate him highly. I rate him highly as well. And he... He will be leaving Sandefjord at the end of the season. They're not renewing the contract. Um, I, I, I look at I, manager of the year discussions, and, and you, the obvious one is obviously Rudiglin. Yeah, uh, Kjetil, uh, yeah. But um, aside from him, I mean, Marty Sifuentes surely has to take it because <laughs> you know, a side that most thought was going to be rock bottom, um, and but he's really done amazingly there um, with, with, the, with the squad he's got. Hmm. This coach, could you? Could he see him staying in in Norway, or do you think he will move uh, back to sort of mainland Europe? I'd, I'd like him to, and I think similar to what I was saying with Brown and Ingebrigtsen, I think you know if Brown do cut their losses at the end of the season, which at the rate they're going, I think they should, then they should 100% get Sifuentes in because you know he's free, they'll be free. It's it's a perfect match. <laughs> I mean, obviously football isn't you know as easy as that, but I do think that Sifuentes. You know, give him a few seasons with that brand squad, and he could get the best out of him. And yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to see him stay in Norway because he's got he's got the hang of it here. <laughs> like he's got that Sandefjord team who were doomed at the start of the year, and you know, I had them bottom. I think everyone else had them bottom because the squad was just so weak. But he's got the best out of most of the players in that squad, and at the same time, he's also bedded in a number of young players. You know. It's worth mentioning that a lot of the players in that Sandefjord team who are the more experienced players haven't actually had a lot of game time this year. You know, look at like Lars Grorud, who is the centre-back and was captain of the side, has lost his place to a 19-year-old. Uh, Emil Paulsen, who was a defensive midfielder from Iceland, he's lost his place to, again, like a teenager. So it's been brilliant watching what he's done with them. And 100%, you know, obviously, Kessel Nutson is manager of the year, that's no doubt. But Otherwise, he'd be second or third in my list. I'd have Fargamo there. I'd maybe have Nornes of Odd in the conversation as well. But yeah, he's definitely sort of top three managers in the elite series at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Sifuentes can really, he's got it tactically. He can obviously develop players on a coaching point of view. Um, and, and the mad thing is, at the start of the season, I, I knew, everyone knew he was going to get the best out of the players, but yeah. you still couldn't see them staying up because of the squad. And that's a testament to how he does develop the players. And he's a manager to, to keep an eye on. What would you say is his best um, quality in terms of tactics? 
I just I think he's so adaptable in the way he sets his teams out. I mean, you know, not many clubs do a double over Molder, especially not teams you know that low down in the league. He just seems he just seems to be, you know, I think a lot of a lot of Norwegians have, have the impression that a Spanish coach or Portuguese coach will be playing exciting, you know, flair ridden football, tiki taka, all the all the old tropes. He he can do that, and Sanderfield do do that in games where they're dominant. But he can also set a side up to see out a one 0 win. He can also set a side up to you know close out a nil nil draw if needed. And I think that is so key, and that is such a key skill to have in Norway because, especially when you're managing a team who aren't expected to be finishing in the top four or the top three, you do have to have those games sometimes where you can close out a result. And as I mentioned a minute ago, like they did that against Molde twice. And in both those games, I remember um, teenage defender Lars Markman was played from the start. Which I remember seeing come in the lineup, and I was, I was a bit like, okay, this is a bit strange, you know. You know, you think you'd be having the most experienced players in for a game like this, but no, he trusted he trusted his young player, and yeah, they saw out they saw out the result. So for me, that's his mate. That's the best trait he has: the adaptability, the you know ability to get the best out of every player on the pitch, and also you know set up a team for different results or different needs. So. Yeah, I, I really hope he stays in Norway. <laughs> I, I hope he stays in Norway, or certainly at least Scandinavia. He, he's a really intriguing manager, a, a top uh, coach in my opinion. And uh, well, we were going to talk about Arsenal a little bit, but we're going to we're a little bit pressed for time. So I'm just going to ask you, um, yeah. in terms of predictions for relegation down the bottom, yeah. who, who who do you you're going to have down as your automatic two? Who's going to finish in the playoff spot? Yeah, so I think Olsen. Obviously, I think they're doomed. <laughs> I think the the other bottom sides are quite tough to predict at the moment. Um, I actually part of me actually thinks Mjolnir are going to do it and stay up, just because it plays into their strengths. Yeah, this back end of a season, you know, a more physical style of football, um, getting surprise results against bigger teams. It might it may well play into their strengths, and I think that my I reckon start will go down in fifteenth. And I have a feeling that Strum's godset might go down uh, or, or be in the playoffs in 14th. Um, they've been a bit underwhelming this year uh, again and just seem so vulnerable at the back. I I worry for them because especially their form recently is sort of tailed off. I think Brian will be safe, but I think it's between Mjondalen and Strum's godset for 14th, personally. Interesting predictions there. And just briefly on Arlison, do you expect them to bounce back next year? it's tough because they they were so good in Obos last year. Um, it just depends who they, what their team's like, who they can keep. I think obviously guys like Nicolas Castro will be gone. Um, you know, Simon Nordley might go. So it, it depends on that. But I mean, yeah, I think you'd always back, as we mentioned earlier, the elite Serian side to come back up. So I reckon they'll definitely be in and around the top three. I can't see them finishing it lower. Especially, I mean, Larsson and Nilsson is a very good manager at that level. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be in the mix to come back up. Brilliant. Um, okay, so I've got a, a final question about Elite Serie, and this is actually from my own co-host here, Jonathan. Um, hmm. And he basically is interested to to hear about the 10 best players you've seen in Norway during your time <laughs> covering the league. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be 10, but yep. some... Which ones, which players stand out since you've started covering the Norwegian league? Which it's, ones stick out? Yeah, it's, it's tough actually because 
whether it's best players or just players I've enjoyed. So I'll, I'll list a few off. Yeah. I've, I've written the small lists. I've got obviously Hauger and Haaland for obvious reasons. Um, Wolf Ekrim for me has been probably the best player in the league over the last two to three years, um, just in terms of ability. Uh, yeah, he might not have won player of the league, player of the year every year, but in terms of ability, I think he's right up there. Um, Evian was someone who stood out to me last year as a real talent. I really enjoyed watching him develop as a player last year. Uh, I've got from, also from Elite Serian, I've got Patrick Berg, Saltners this year. Unbelievable pairing in midfield. <laughs> um, and another guy I wanted to mention was Christopher Zachariasen uh, of Rosenborg, just because he was a guy who I followed in 2015 for Ness Sotra. He got relegated to the second division, uh, third tier second division in Norway. And is now playing for Rosenborg and is close to an international call up. I think his development has been unbelievably, unbelievably to watch. <laughs> I think he's a fantastic player as well. Um, aside from that, as well, yeah, I mentioned a couple of defenders. Obviously, I mentioned Hanke Olsen earlier, who's been very good. And as well, Leo Ostergaard, I think, is going to be an unbelievable centre back in the future. I only saw him briefly for Viking, but you know, you could tell that he was going to be, you know, captain material a real force to be reckoned with in the future. And yeah, finally, just a couple of guys who sort of sparked my love for Norwegian football to get all sentimental here. Um, Mads Reginusen, yeah, he's a guy I've, I've watched every single year since 2015 for Ranheim. I, I think, I think he's an unbelievable player. And I think that if he had the motivation, if he had a bit more luck on his side, he'd be playing at a much higher level right now. Yeah, every year without without doubt, whatever league he's in, Elite Serie or Obos just turns in results, performances, unbelievable midfielder. And final guy I want to mention was Pontus Engblom, uh, formerly of Sanderfjord and uh, Sanders. Yeah, he he was a guy who sort of I first cottoned onto as a really really good Obosli game player back in the day. Uh, I think he he scored something like you know forty odd goals in fifty games for Sanders and then another twenty. For Sanderfield in the 2019 Obos season, never really done it in Elite Serium, but you know at the second the second division he's always been unbelievable, and he's doing it again for uh, Sundsvall in Sweden now. So, yeah, I, I saw him move there. I was a he's an absolute master, isn't he? In second oh, he is. I, I wish <laughs> I wish he could do it in Elite Serium. I, I think he can do it in Elite Serium, but he hasn't found the right club to do it with. He did it a little bit for Sanderfield when he was up there, um, but yeah. I, <laughs> Just a natural goal scorer if there ever was one, especially at second division level. Maybe he be, he could become like a Pellegrino if he finds the right spot, um, you know, the right team for him. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I'd love to see him back in you know either top division, whether that's Al Svenskan or Elite Serien, because yeah, like you said, I do think with the right team he could smash it. <laughs> so how, how encouraged are you for the future overall, Elite Serien? Because it feels like there's a lot of the big clubs are. Uh, um, sort of primed to, to do mm. well in the next few years. You've got Buda Glimpse suddenly, this team that have emerged, you know, Bran you would hope can rebound. It feels like the league went downhill for me sort of around 2017, 2018, sort of around that time. Yeah. It feels like it's back up on the up again. And, and, yeah. and are you encouraged for the future? Yeah, Joe, I completely agree with you. I think it did there was a real dip between sort of maybe sixteen and nineteen potentially, but the last year, year and a half has been unbelievable. And I think a large part of that is the fact that so many elite zone teams are betting on young players now and they're giving these guys an arena to show their talents. And because of that, you know, they're selling these guys for higher fees. There's more money coming into the clubs. 
they can reinvest it. You know, teams are being smarter with their recruitment. Finally, you know, when I first started following the league, it was just, you know, which agent can we contact to give us a player? Now it seems like teams are actually putting a bit more effort into their recruitment. Um, and I think that all plays into it. And it all makes it just a much more fun league to follow. It, it's it's a far better standard now than it was two years ago. I mean, look at Rosenborg's midfield of Marcus Henriksen, uh, Persilian Shellbread and Christopher Zacharyson. It's unbelievable. Like that's a midfield that could have potentially started for Norway maybe five years ago. So yeah, it's it's a really fun time to follow the league. And I think it's hopefully only going to get better in the next few years. Yeah. I've said it for years. Anyone out there listening who's after a summer league, to get involved in, you could do far, far worse than the Elite Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there, there was a, a tweet that caught my eye um, last week, a couple of weeks ago, Ben. Um, mm. I've not even liked it. I've much liked it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> an official communication. Um, and you said, you're writing a book on Norwegian football due to be released in 2022. And it's <laughs> going to be written over the next 12 months. This is really, really intriguing, Ben. Um I mean, the last time we had, we did actually have someone, a, a guest on uh, last year, two years ago, mm. uh, who uh, wrote a book about Thomas Gro- uh, Thomas Graveson. And okay. uh, the, the less uh, said about that, the better. It was, <laughs> uh, it was uh, one, of the, uh, one of the most controversial episodes we've ever yeah. had. But um, <laughs> anyway, this, uh, this intrigued me. So uh, tell us a little bit more about this, this book, because it really uh, sounds great. Yeah, it's been a bit mad, really. It's It just sort of came about during the last lockdown. I was sort of trying to find things to keep myself motivated, things of, you know, to do to keep myself entertained. I ended up pitching an idea for a book to a publisher. And, yeah, three months later, it, it got accepted and I uh, sort of signed a contract to to write with them over the next 12 months, which is, yeah, really daunting because you write in, but I've never written anything this substantial sort of thousand words or so. Um, but yeah, it's daunting, but at the same time, really exciting. It's going to be a book that sort of follows the current golden generation, as we sort of discussed earlier, in their sort of their ambition to qualify and hopefully succeed at a major tournament. So it's going to look into, you know, the history of Norwegian football. It's going to look into the recent history on the Lagerback, under Hogmo, and as well as sort of profiling, you know, the the guys at the centre of this sort of Norwegian revolution almost. And yeah, I'm looking to put put together a list of sort of interviewees as well to, you know, quote him a book. So I've got some big ones lined up. I'm not going to uh, give away too much right now. It's still early days, but um, yeah, uh, under promise and over deliver. I think that's, that's going to be my saying for the next <laughs> that, 12 months. Uh, I missed that. How many, how many, how many words exactly was it you, you, you're aiming for? Well, yeah, I'm aiming sort of for about, 300 pages which is going to be about 80,000 words so yeah <laughs> it's quite a it's quite a thing but I want I want it to be I don't want it to be a sort of slapdash thing I want this to be you know I, I don't I'd don't say this about sounding like Alan Partridge but the book that sort of Norway deserves because it is such an intriguing time to to follow Norwegian football and you know there's there's so many good stories behind the rise of these players and I'd like to think that you know I can you know, give sort of tell it in a way that um, gives some credit for the work that is going on in Norway at the moment. So, I mean, all being well, it will be sort of uh, you're talking what sort of uh, 15 months down the line around that sort of time, it may be on the release. Yeah, yeah, obviously, no release date just yet. Um, but 
yeah, the manuscript will be submitted about this time next year and then however long it takes to come out. But yeah, I'll be updating sort of on the way um, as we go with sort of any announcements. And yeah, hopefully sort of in 12 months time, I'll, uh, I'll have written a book on Norwegian football, which is quite mad to say out loud, but yeah. <laughs> well, we're wishing you all the very best with, with that book then. Um, it was going to be a great one. And, and we, we thank you very much for your time uh, for joining us on the Nordic Football Podcast. And we would love to have you on again at some point, for sure. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Honestly, loved it. Loved to... I could talk about Norway for days, so, yeah, always good to... Uh... <laughs> well, that's another episode on Kongsvinia, won't we? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, once again, thanks very much for Ben Wells. Tell us where you, where we can you can follow him, uh, the, the, the social sources we can get you. <laughs> yeah, um, at FR Football Ben, F-R-F-O-T-B-A-L-L, Ben on Twitter. And, yeah, give me a follow there for some inane ramblings on Norwegian football. <laughs> Guys, do that. It is one of the best... Um, English speaking um, Norwegian accounts out there on Twitter if not the best so uh, once again thanks very much Ben and uh, we will hope to see you again another time but uh, really appreciate all the questions that you put in sorry for those that we couldn't answer we basically just run out of time remember to give the podcast a follow on Twitter at Nordic Footpod you can follow myself at Meatman Soccer Uh, you can follow my regular co-host Jonathan Fadugba at JF Football and our guest uh, from this episode, Ben Wells at FR Football Ben. That is it for this particular edition. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. Take care, everyone. Stay safe and we'll see you uh, again very soon. Goodbye.